Hi, welcome to For the Love of Film podcast. Uh, I'm Scott Chase. With me, Bob Scammon. Yeah, this is our uh, end of the year, but really beginning of the year, um, top 10 movies of 2021. Um, I know that, do you know how many, I I know you usually go all over. So how many movies did you see this year? So I saw 405. And then out of those, um, 100 of them were in the theater. Okay, I saw 76 new films. I didn't break down in theater, but if I were to guess, probably 50 of them were in the theater. And that's not counting. There are certain films I saw more than once. Not too many this year, though. I only saw two films twice this year, which is a little less than... What did you see twice this year? Pig and um, Suicide Squad. You saw Suicide Squad twice? Yeah, that wasn't... It's not because it was great. It was more... Mary you tripped and fell and woke yeah. up in the theater. Yeah. Mary wanted to see it. She, I, I saw it once in the theater, and then I knew she wanted to see it, so it was on a. It was one of the HBO ones, so I just sure. watched it again. Sure, um, Pig I saw twice in the theater. So did I. Yeah, um, I saw Pig twice. I saw Dune four times. Um, Green Knight. I saw Green Knight twice. I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Um, you said I know we were texting the other day, and you said there were a few that you got to or wanted to see that you didn't get a chance to. Yeah, I didn't. One of them was Red Rocket. I saw that one yesterday. Did you see it down in Methuen? Yeah, yeah. See, I I almost we're recording this New Year's Day. I almost went down to Boston last night to go see it there, which I'm glad I didn't. I didn't because it was rainy and whatnot. Yeah. and I was like, I don't want to be on the road with you know people possibly drinking coming yeah. back. And, and then I then I looked today and I was like, oh, it's playing in Methuen, yeah. so I'm going to go see that this week. I also wanted to see um, the tragedy of Macbeth, but that's only playing at an AMC in Boston. It's well, I was going to watch it last night, but we ended up watching a TV series instead. Oh, because it? it's on um, Apple Plus. Actually, I don't have Apple yeah. Plus, so and especially with it black and white and whatnot, I'd really want to see it on the big screen. Yeah, um, uh, but I think. After after they drop it today, it's probably going to roll out a little wider. But I haven't seen it anywhere else. Gotcha. Um, which is interesting because, you know, there was... It's one of the more well-known Shakespeare works. Yeah, but, by yeah. a well-known director. Well, half of them. Yeah, well, and they and there was a... One of my favorite films of like four years ago was the um, Michael Fassbender starring in Macbeth, which was oh, yeah. really good. Um, yeah. But... Uh, uh yeah i haven't seen that yet but there weren't too many films that i didn't get to see that i wanted to see this year there's a couple uh two by the same director um drive my car and um i forget what the other one is but basically because of timing mm-hmm. yeah, they're both foreign i think they're i think they're korean but i'm not 100 percent sure yeah. those are the two um memorera or it's the tilda swinton one was it Memory? Memoria or something yeah. like that. I want to see that, but they're... That's the one that's on a traveling road show, right? Yeah, they basically... I don't know how many... I don't think it's a print, but they're only showing it at one theater at a time, mm-hmm. and it's slowly going. And apparently, if you get a screener for it, it says, we're sorry you're seeing this on a screen that isn't 
meant to be seen because it's more about the sound actually i got you than it is so it, it reminded me of like sound of metal which i would have loved to see yeah. in, in a theater last year that was one of the ones i didn't see till the beginning of 2021 but it was a 2020 film yeah i always have this argument when we're doing this list because i look at the beginning of the year and i'm like i didn't see that till this year but it came out last year and it's so I feel like some some of the years that we've done this in the past, we've done a top twenty, which it would have it it would have been easier for me to do a top twenty this year than like top ten was tough because I had to cut some stuff yeah. that I really liked. Like I had a really solid top fourteen, yeah. Uh, but I was like sense. I was like you know like fifteen through twenty was like eh, but I also would have been fine without them. I and I was like no, that's the point of yeah doing these. It's also because I'm so with albums because I'm putting together my. I do a top 20 yeah. albums of the year, and it's that's tough, too. There's more album releases, though, than movie releases. For sure, there. for sure. Yeah. But, and I, I mean, as much as I'm into movies, I'm more into music. Yeah. So, and it's, and I don't know, I, I think of music as, like, a more personal one-on-one thing. Because yeah. it's, like, it's easier for me to recommend movies to people than it is, uh, uh, music, unless I know someone super, super well. And even then it's just like finding something that's similar to a piece of music that I like, um, doesn't necessarily mean that I like it. Cause it's got that intangible. I always got offended when I used to use, uh, Spotify, like I'd, I'd make like a tool playlist and then yeah. I'd be like, well, here's disturbed. I'm like, how dare you? How dare you? It's the algorithm working. Yeah, <laughs> just because you're like, like, they them. both have bald singers and they swear guitars. You like guitars? Yeah. Have yeah. you ever done Apple? Apple um, has like their radio feature. Mm-hmm. So basically, what you do is you pick a song and then you say create it, like a radio station for it. Mm-hmm. And some of the times, like I'll pick weird stuff, and then it's just like this is. Basically the same genre, but it's like a completely different. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so with music for me, there's there's that intangible thing that like sometimes I don't even know what it is I like about it, and but then when they're like recommending something similar, I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't care it. about that thing about it, and I'm like, also this scratch is that the itch there. I don't need ten things that yeah. sound like this. Yeah. So, um. So yeah, we were talking about it before, but we usually start off with uh, our worst film of the year. Um, this was tough for me this year because I saw a lot of bad stuff. Um, but so I, so for me, I qualify a bad film, and and I'm saying this specifically because I think in the next we've talked about doing this for a couple years, but I really want to do an episode with you where we do a worst films list, which is tough. I know what my Number one and number two are. Yeah. But, um, and I qualify it with people because I've seen just terrible movies that are yeah. badly made and whatnot. For me, a bad film has to be something that it's made by at least some competent people or something that I was looking forward to yeah. that just completely missed the mark, um, completely just was. See, mine's not that. But I also, I see like, everything sure so there's certain stuff that i'll take out like um stuff i know that's not made for me yeah like kids movies sure a big one and then um like any kind of like religious thing Mm -hmm. that i know is not going to be for me i just like 
it's it would never rank high, and I always think it's bad, so I just kind of like take right. it out. Well, and it's funny because I'm that way with movies in general because I was like, that's why I didn't see Dear Evan Hansen because I'm like, I don't love musicals. Yeah, the the I, guy looks like a weird space alien. Anyways, I was like, even with the hair, it was even worse. Yeah, yeah, it's just whatever. But well, so what's your what's your worst movie of? 2021 so i'm i have a top five and then Mm -hmm. i'll get to it so um i i was almost thinking about putting dune on here just to like mess with you right but it wasn't that bad to me it's just we'll we'll talk about it sure because i i know we'll talk about it (laughs) i just know um so the fifth one for me was small engine repair yeah i know you saw it i actually kind of liked it i I mean it wasn't it's funny because two co-workers um mentioned they're like have you seen this i'm like yeah yeah it was just i don't know it did not work for me at yeah. all like i i saw it in the theater i think you saw it in the theater too no i saw it on Redbox. oh okay yeah. so i ended up seeing it in the theater i'm like oh cool a manchester new hampshire kind of story and yeah. i went in and it has like a couple good actors in it and i was just like this thing was it jeffrey dean morgan is that was who was in it no no um it's the other guy the other from guy who boardwalk played. empire and yeah I can't remember. But then even, like, the sister was somebody that, that yeah. I've seen a couple things in. Yeah. It just didn't It didn't work for me. And about halfway through, I'm like, this is from a play. And that always drives me Well, crazy. and you could tell by the way it's staged that yeah. it is a stage play. It's even the best films that are stage adaptations suffer from that because, yeah. you know. It's funny because a lot of Kevin Smith's, particularly his early films, they look like they were baby because there's no movement and whatnot. Yeah. It's just two people. But he was trying to them. save money rather right. than anything. Um, the next one, I, SAS Red Notice. Uh, it's a uh, no. You probably wouldn't. Um, Ruby Rose. It's like she did a lot. of She stuff. did a lot of stuff this year, and none of it was good. Yeah. I saw the one she did with Morgan Freeman, and that was crap. I don't think I saw that one. It's terrible. Yeah, I, she did like two with. Um, one with Bruce Willis, I think, and yeah. then she did a couple other ones, and I, I think was like, I saw the one with Bruce Willis. Yeah, they're all horrible. The, the one with Morgan Freeman was, to my recollection, the only time Morgan Freeman's played a villain in a movie. But that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, the next one is The Unholy. That's that Je- was terrible. That yeah. was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. That's yeah, that movie sucked. Yeah, it was. Horrible. And it looked awful too, like the way it was shot. It was just it like, was just like there was nothing good about it. it Terrible it, writing. Yeah. It basically reminded me of like something that would go straight to video mm-hmm. in like the eighties or nineties and Well when I was when I was putting this list together, you know, I because I post on Instagram what I've seen and so I was just going through and that was earlier in the year. It was like one of the first movies when theaters reopened. Yeah. I was like, The Unholy, that doesn't ring a bell at all. And I clicked on it and I was like, oh yeah, this was a piece of shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's what happened. I saw it at like uh, Chunkies and that was even like a worse experience. I, now that I'm thinking about it, I'm pretty sure I walked out of that movie. Did I, you? I think so because. You didn't miss much. I remember I walked out of one movie this year and, and it as you'll see, that wasn't my worst movie of the year, but it was one of those things. I was just like, "What am I doing?" I was like, uh, and it, and I think I went just based on Jeffrey Dean Morgan yeah. being in it, and I was like, "I like him. He's been doing. He, he's a good actor, but he does a lot of garbage. He needs. Too. I think he needs either the right director or the right material. Yeah, because otherwise, he's like, 
I I knew him from um, Supernatural. He played the dad in that, and that's kind of. And then he like really became famous when he went to Walking Dead. I think Watchmen was the first thing I had seen him in. Yeah, because he was a comedian. That was kind of like that was after Supernatural. Yeah, Supernatural. But Supernatural was a TV show that went right. on forever. Um, yeah, I thought it was good. Um, my number two was Midnight in the Switchgrass. I've never heard of that. This one is like. I wasn't expecting very much from it, but mm-hmm. then it's Machine Gun Kelly, Megan Fox, Gross. and Bruce Willis. Yeah. <laughs> and it just gets like, you're like, all right, it's okay. And then it just completely goes off the rail. Like, Bruce Willis has not made a decent movie in probably five to six years. I can't remember the last worthwhile. Like, if I'm really thinking about it, Looper might have been the last That's, good Bruce Willis movie. It's kind of funny because I went through a Bruce Willis phase this year because he had like five or six movies come out. Because he'll do anything. Yeah. And so I was like, I know I own Looper. So I grabbed Looper and it's sitting next to the TV just to prove that like Bruce Willis can can be okay. Right, right. The one before, after that was um, not, was it Split or was it the other one? Like he's okay in that. Split. Um, The uh, M. Night Shyamalan trilogy thing. Oh, it's not split. Glass? Yeah, Glass. I mean, he was fine in it, but that's a terrible film. Yeah. 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 And then my top is Dear Evan Hansen. <laughs> like, I I don't think I... I didn't know the backstory till I actually, like, till after I watched it, where it was... It's a well-known play, mm. and it's also a musical. Like, I didn't catch that from the... from the trailers, but I don't really pay attention to yeah. trailers anyways. And it was... It's like, two and a half hours long and within half an hour if i walked out of stuff i probably would have walked out it was just like this makes no sense to me with like we've had what was it uh book smart eighth grade to some extent and um what's the other really uh love simon like we've had those in the last five years those are really good movies dealing movies yeah, yeah dealing with the same subject and it's just like the premise of this thing is ridiculous, and it just completely, just way out, out left field. I was so annoyed. I just realized as you were, when you mentioned Booksmart that there was an actor in. Did you see Licorice Pizza? Mm-hmm. So there was an actor in Licorice Pizza who's like the other actor with him when they're on the like the Lucille Ball review thing that's hitting on. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He was in Booksmart. Yep. Playing like a completely different type of character. He's been in a couple things, but that's I was like I know this dude from somewhere, but I couldn't place it. But yeah, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, I didn't see it. I have no intention of seeing it. Don't uh, see it. Um, so my worst film of the year. This this took a little bit of thinking actually, because there was a few that few that there was a couple that were like disappointed, but to me, uh, some that I was like, eh, okay. I, I'm one of the few people that didn't love the new Ghostbusters one. That's not that's not my worst film, but and I enjoyed it, but I didn't love it. Yeah. Um, same thing with Coming to America. Um, <laughs> it was better than it should have been, but yeah, I'm like nobody asked for this. Um, well, I think Eddie Murray probably did because probably because he, he wanted the money and yeah. yeah, and it's he has kind of like a sweetheart deal similar to what Adam Sandler has, where he can do whatever yeah. he wants, and you know he's. You know, he's playing the hits, basically. Like, if he wanted to do another Beverly Hills I Cop... I believe that's his next project, actually. Yeah, that so. would be Greenlit and in I don't, a second. I don't 
begrudge him that. No, whatever. But um, no, my worst film of 2021 was Wonder Woman 1984. Mainly because... Did that come out this it year? It did. It did. Um, it was supposed to be last Christmas. Yeah. And it got moved to... The, and it might have even been Christmas Day last year, but I uh, I saw it on HBO Yeah. Um, in January. Um, so it might have been... Because it's usually only 14 days after releases, but it was one of those ones that... Because a lot of people... Well, the, that's not Warner Brothers, is it? Yeah, yeah. So it, all the DC stuff is Warner Brothers. Yeah. So the Warner Brothers did every major release they did. They did it on HBO. Yeah, yeah. Um, and part of it, it, so it wasn't the worst superhero movie I've ever met, ever seen. Um, but the first one was such a kind of breath of fresh air, particularly so, for DC. DC, yeah, yeah. And, and there were problems with the first one, but overall. Um, it was, it was the best DC movie. It was the best DC movie, and, they, and it was nice to see a headlining, a female headlined yep. superhero film. And this just basically squandered all that goodwill. It was it was a foolish concept to begin with, like yeah. the wishes thing. And then it, 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 it didn't, I mean, the three major stars, like, they're great. Kristen yeah. Wiig and uh, Pablo, I can't say his name. Pedro. Yeah. Uh, Pascal, Pascal, yeah, yeah. Um, like they're they could have been great. They're good actors. He was completely wasted in that yeah, role. Oh, yeah. Kristen Wiig, like they didn't use any of her quirkiness whatsoever. Yeah. And then Chris Pine was just like eye candy, and it was just like a it was a weird like the like just eighties nostalgia. It just yeah. didn't fit. It it was it was just a complete misfire. Yeah, uh, I I agree. Uh, yeah, so that was my. Worst Did you one. ever see the um, Snyder cut? Of no, I st- still haven't gotten through it. Um, it's actually, I was surprised how much better it is than the original. It's one of those ones I've seen it sitting in DVD bins at like yeah. Walmart and Target. I'm waiting till it pops down to five dollars, and then I'll just pick, because it's so long, I don't yeah. want to watch it on my phone. No, I understand. Um, but I was like, yeah, for five dollars, I'll watch it, and then even if I hate it, I'll just trade it into you know. I mean, I hated the original, and yeah. I don't love most DC stuff. It's like really hit or miss. Mm-hmm. But I finally sat down to watch the four hours, and I was like, this is actually it's one of the few times that redoing it as like a director's right. cut, it actually worked. Which is funny because the the guy who directed. Suicide Squad, not the Suicide Squad, but is now demanding. He's like tr- he tried to get a movement going for fans to demand his cut of it. Oh, and people like and DC like cut him off in the past. They're like, we're not doing that. They're <laughs> yeah. like, it's you know because they normally when there's like restorations or director's cuts of stuff, there's very little money thrown at it. Yeah. Um, the only other instance where I can think of specifically Warner Brothers putting a lot of money into something was when they did. The, the final cut of uh, Blade Runner. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they re-edited some scenes where, uh, like, the mouths didn't sync up with the dialogue. Like, famously, there's a scene where Deckard, played by Harrison Ford, is, like, behind glass talking and his... His, his mouth doesn't... So what they did is they shot his son, <laughs> saying it because his son has the same jawline as him, yeah. and then digitally put his son's jaw in there. It was so weird. But it caught, they spent, like... Two million dollars to fix three shots in it, but 
That's the only time I can think of where they spend money like that. At this point, I don't even know what my favorite cut of Blade Runner is because there's so many. I think I personally like the voiceover, the voiceover one. It's been so long since I've watched that version. Yeah. Maybe that'll be something I watch this week because I watch Blade Runner at least once a year. Yeah. But it's usually the final cut. Um, what was the one that was released about 10 years ago? Was that's that the, the final cut. Okay. Yeah. Which Ridley Scott was involved with. And um, I like it. It doesn't really add a significant amount to the previous director's cut, yeah. which he had nothing to do with, which is why he insisted that they let him do a director's cut. Yeah. But they wouldn't change the name of the other one from the director's cut. So that's why it's the final, final cut. cut. Yeah. And that one doesn't have the voiceover. No, but, uh, okay. Only the theatrical release had the voiceover, and he he fought like he did not want it, but he didn't have he did not have final cut. Yeah, at that point because it was only his second film, uh, third film he did it after Aliens or Alien, uh, and and that's the other thing because Ridley Scott now has final cut on all of his films, so that's that was like another little jab. That's why he insisted it be called the final cut. Yeah, um, I enjoy. A lot of Ridley Scott's films. I think he's an excellent film director. I think he's a bit of a twat himself. Um, and neither of his films from this year are on my top yeah. ten. Last Duel and what's the other one? House of Coochie, as oh, they yeah. say on um, your mom's house. I was uh, so disappointed by that. That was a terrible movie. That yeah. that if I had done a bottom five, that would have been it. Yeah. But so, what's your number number ten? Now that we're we're twenty minutes into. Uh, which is not bad. We went like two hours when it was Greg. Yeah, with us. Yeah, we would do that. Um, so this year, I, I mean, every year I say it, it seems like I say it every year. It was a really good documentary year. Mm-hmm. So I kind of weed out a lot of the documentaries. I actually have a top ten of just documentaries right. that I have two documentaries on my list this year, which is, I think is a first for me. Yeah, I I have I have two as well, and I think we're gonna match on the one. Um, oh, before we do the list, because I was thinking about this, how many how many matches do you think we'll have on our list? My guess is three. I think it's going to be three. Oh, I forgot that one. So I think it's four. All right. And I think I know, I thought I was going to know three that were going to be on your list that mm-hmm. aren't going to be on mine. And I can't remember what the third one is. I'm pretty sure you'll know. I know if, two. If you them. don't know what my top pick is you probably know what the top two are and just yeah. don't know which ones i have no idea i never know what your top <laughs> movie is but yeah anyway, go ahead i think this year you'll know it you'll know the movie but you sure won't. yeah um so i'm just gonna say um it was hard for me to kind of cut it down so i have an 11 okay. so 11 was power of the dog i think okay. most people listening to this will probably know what it is by now mm-hmm. Um, that kind of was going like back and forth with it's me. It's the gay Dr. Strange cowboy movie, right? Yeah. Pretty yeah. close. All right. Yeah. So that one's definitely worth checking out. I still it's haven't on, seen it yet. But. Yeah. It's on Netflix. So. Yeah. It's in my queue. Yeah. Um, my number 10 is uh summer of soul. So this is the first, uh, documentary that's been on here. I think it's, it's probably, I mean, you've, I know you saw it, yeah. but this thing is just pretty amazing that, this summer that they had basically just this whole music collection that was the same time that Woodstock was going and everybody remembers Woodstock and saying, Oh, as Woodstock. Mm -hmm. And then nobody remembers. Um, I can't even remember the name of the festival. 
Uh, I don't. Yeah. Remember. It was uh, har- it's it, it was a long. It was like the Harlem arts, arts and culture and music. some music yeah. festival. Yeah. Best of us for the rest of us. <laughs> it was it was a very wordy thing, but it yeah. was that was one of the ones that where I said that like I would have had a top. F- I had a top fourteen that yeah. was in it. That was a tough one for me to cut, and the thing that I had to be objective about it because I remember watching it. I was like, the only thing that I don't like about this is. They cut up performances with yeah. interviews, which I don't like when they do that with me. But I also hope if it gets a physical release that they'll have full performances. Like, I would love to just see the performances themselves. Mm-hmm. Like, there's there's two films here. There's mm-hmm. the documentary that they made, and then there's, like, another film of just the performances, which would be amazing. Yeah, it, I understand that where it kind of breaks it up. But also, if they didn't do that, that movie would have been, like three hours long easy yeah well because i i think in it quest love said something where there was like 90 hours of yeah. performances yeah and the fact that it's come out afterwards that like everybody says it was like shelved and like buried in a basement yeah it's just they couldn't find the right person to distribute it right like they went to every like all the major studios and everything and yeah tried to get it but nobody had any interest yeah. Yeah, no, I thought it was excellent too, and like I said, it was you know had a thing to whittle it down to ten. That was uh, yeah tough. So my both my ten and my nine probably would have been higher on the list, but I had to, and this is the separating the art from the artist or separating the art from things surrounding it. Um, and my number ten, I really liked. Um, and I, I'm glad I didn't know about the controversy until after it came out, but it was Blue Bayou, oh, yeah. um, with Justin Chan, um, wrote and directed and started and, but, and the, you know, the controversy was basically, he stole some people's, some, some adoptees stories and didn't give them credit. And, you know, I've seen, I, I've heard arguments both sides. I, I tend to side with the people that feel like they were slighted and wrong because he interviewed yeah. Uh, about 10 different people and basically just chose one person's story, but changed it enough that he didn't have to give the guy any credit. And um, they also, the studio, I think it was focus features that did it was doing a weird giveaway around it to like send people to Korea on a, like a vacation. And it was just like very tone deaf for what it was. Very weird. And as soon as like the controversy came out, they canceled it. Um, but um, the film itself was excellent. Yep. Um, the only gripe I had is the cinematography is good. Yeah. And then it goes bad. Yeah. Like, it felt... I just wanted them to step back, like, one to two feet. Yeah. Like, from most shots. It yeah. was just, like... It's, like, right in your face. And I don't think this was... There's a lot of films in 4.3. So, yeah. the, the square format... I don't think this one was, but it probably no. would have worked better. Sure. If it was. Yeah. Yeah. But other than that, like I do recommend Blue Bayou. It's a yeah. great film and certainly a perspective on uh, a big part of the United States that a lot of people don't really know about. So I think it's even a story that a lot of people, I had no clue about that story yeah. before I saw that, Yeah, which is really cool. Yeah. So yeah, yeah I agree. It didn't, because I see a lot more than you do. Sure. I think it was in my, like, top... I think I had a top 50 that yeah. I kind of whittled it down. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, I agree. So what's your number nine? My number nine is one that you're probably going to hate, and I don't even know if you've ever seen it. It's Bo Burnham's Inside. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look at that the same way you look at, like, kids' movies and stuff like yeah. that, where I was like, because I have plenty of friends who love Bo Burnham. Yeah. And I recognize the guy's very talented. Yeah. You know, um, eighth grade was, an, you know, one thing that I was just like, you know, sure. And even him in uh, Promising Young Woman yeah. as an actor, I'm just like, very talented versatile guy i'm just not into a single thing that he does yeah but that's okay it's not for me but i don't do you know what i mean i don't like it but have you seen it what inside yeah i shut it off 20 minutes in. i was like no thank you i just think the experiment of it is one of the i don't know if anybody i haven't seen anything like it no it was definitely unique i just i didn't care for it yeah but i also don't like his I don't like his music style. Yeah. But I, I have my, my buddy yeah. Travis, who I've had on this podcast a couple times, super into film and is also a musician. Like, that was his favorite thing of the year. And yeah. I like, loved it. He even, they just he just played a show at Flight Coffee and Dover where he did a cover from oh, that. Nice. that uh, so, yeah. That's just one, it's one of the things that, like, just, like, when I'm thinking about movies, mm-hmm. like, some of those scenes just pop into my head, like, I don't know if he actually lived in that space right. while he went through it, but right. it just felt like he went through that whole experience. And, like, we all dealt with everything in a different way, and I just found it really kind of interesting that that's what he decided to do yeah. with his time. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever see anything like it again. No, no, yeah. definitely not. Yeah. Uh, my number nine, again, there was kind of a caveat with this as well, was uh, Roadrunner, the film about... Anthony Bourdain. I know that's not the actual subtitle. It's close, but I don't remember. Roadrunner, a film about Anthony Bourdain. Right. Um, and the reason that I said there's a caveat is because it came out afterwards that because Anthony Bourdain, who's who, you know, died, um, took his own life four years ago, something like that, three yeah. years ago, um, narrates it, except for a lot of it is actually AI. Yeah. Uh, which. It's a it's a very slippery slope. It is, yeah. and um, it. I look at it the the same way I look at like the Tupac hologram. I'm like, just because yeah. you can doesn't mean you should. Right. And they weren't upfront about it either. And they and the director said he will never say which parts were. Which, which I'm just like, I at this point I don't think it matters. I don't think it matters, but um, but so Anthony Bourdain was one of those guys that I knew of, but had very little actual knowledge about him until he died a lot of my culinary friends were you know very into him and i was just like you know and i worked in enough restaurants that i kind of have like a bristle against the like you know the 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 bad boy chef which like i mean that's been a thing for decades now but like you know his his parts unknown or not parts unknown uh no reservations is that cook's tour is that what his first book was called? Oh, uh, No Reservations. Yeah, No Reservation was kind of what really started the media frenzy around. And, yeah. you know, luckily the this film kind of starts where that, you know, it's from that point on. Yep. And it was interesting because since I saw that film, I then listened to the audio version of No Reservation. So I basically yeah. got the both sides of, his, like, the before and the after. But um, it was just a really, it not only an interesting portrait of him, but... It was a very frank exploration of depression, depression, but also the effect it has on people after someone takes their own life. And, you know, having, you know, 
several, uh, I mean, at this point, a couple dozen people that I've been friends with throughout the years who've taken their own life. Um, it was very cathartic. Um, I, I was actually thinking about revisiting it about a month ago, um, just because I really liked it. I was like, I want to check it out again. And then I unfortunately had another. Uh, just lost an, another friend, and uh, which, again, it wasn't a surprise, but didn't make it any less sad. And I was like, yeah, I'm not ready for to revisit that movie. Yeah. But, yeah, um, it did have a profound effect on me. And, you know, it's something that I when I did my original review, I was like, I think everyone should yeah. see this at some point. I, I've i known about him for a while, and yeah. he wasn't actually... The weird thing is, is he wasn't known for his cooking. Right. Ever. I yep. mean, he worked at a restaurant, but basically, he was a travel guide right. more than anything. So, like, the bad boy thing, even he hated that. Right. He hated Food Network as well. Right. But he kind of just found a means to, like, make his stuff go, and his books are... I've always enjoyed his books. Yeah. And I just enjoyed him as a character. Yeah. Overall. I mean, the thing that... That just missed my list. By I'd put Summer in Soul rather than that. Sure. Just kind of back and forth. But the thing that I didn't realize is like how introverted he was. Right. Because just watching the show and like reading everything, you would have no clue. Yeah. Like that's the kind of personality that he had. Yeah. But yeah, and it was I was kind of shocked. Not shocked by it, but I like that I got to see stuff that I hadn't known before. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. What's your number eight? My number eight is Little Fish. Um, yeah, this is, it wasn't a big release. I don't even remember how I saw it. It might have been one of the streaming services. It's Rachel Lee Cook and um, somebody else. Basically, it's like Outbreak meets External Sunshine of the mm-hmm. uh, Spotless Mind. So it's this two couples going together and there's a, there's a virus going around that erases your memory. Mm. So she's trying to fight. She's trying to like fight with, it's not fight for her boyfriend mm. to kind of remember her and their relationship going back and forth. Yeah. And it's just one of those little things that like you, you pick up stuff from other films. It's filmed gorgeously and just, there's nothing else quite out there like it. I know I referenced two other movies, but mm-hmm. it's just really interesting to see kind of where it went. Yeah. Have to check that one out. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Um, my number eight. It's funny because there's a one of these people that is often described as an auteur, which I kind of hate that phrase, but um, kind of has a built-in audience. Most of the people who like his stuff didn't particularly care for this, but I really enjoyed it, which was the French Dispatch. Yeah, um, uh, Wes Anderson's film. Uh, I've I'm still not 100% sure, and I'm not ready to revisit all of his films in, like, one finite amount of yeah. time. But it might be my favorite Wes Anderson film. Um, I know I said this to you, but it is the most Wes Anderson film Yeah, and I've ever. described that to yeah. people as well, which is funny because I've also described Licorice Pizza as being the most Paul Thomas Anderson film. Uh, but it didn't make my list. Yeah. Um, See, I don't, I don't get that about P.T. Anderson. Really? Like, I personally can't put my finger on, like, his tone of films. But, like, Phantom Thread is one of my favorite all-time films at this point. It's a great film. To me, that's, like, the least Paul Thomas Anderson of all of his films, though. Yeah. Um, well, maybe with the exception of uh, Heart 8. Yeah. But that was his first film, so he was still kind of getting his... Yeah. Which... Um, 
And then his first two are basically aping other directors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, no, I really enjoyed the French Dispatch. But I have a few friends who like Wes Anderson who really didn't enjoy it. Um, that seems mind boggling to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, the argument that it doesn't really have a narrative and it's vignettes, I was just like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. I mean, my favorite part was the. Um, the uh, Benicio del Toro one, but yeah. the whole thing was great. And it's very much, you know, Wes Anderson movies really beg to be watched multiple times because oh, there's yes. every square inch of the screen is filled with all these little details and stuff. And yeah, it's of any, <clears throat> anybody's right now, like his filmography is always very, very his style. Yeah. And I don't know if you noticed this with this one, but the, the framing changes throughout. Yeah, yeah I the noticed film. that. Yeah, and it, it begs to be seen on like a big screen. Well, the theater that I was in is one of those ones that has curtains. Yeah, and as aspect ratio changed, they kept bringing the curtains in and stuff. I was like, just <laughs> fucking leave it alone because it makes a noise mm-hmm. and it was distracting. Because the first time I was like, wait, are they closing is the curtains while the movie's playing? And then I was like, oh, they're. I don't. Was that regal? Yeah, it was yeah. regal. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was my number eight. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk about it later because it's a little higher on my list. Um, my number seven is probably the best Western I've seen this year. Um, you should see it because I know you love Westerns. Yeah. It's the harder they fall. I've heard that that's great. Yeah. I'm not texting. I'm looking at my list because I can't read my handwriting. No, that's fine. Um, it, it's basically, it's pretty much a predominantly African-American cast. Um, the lead is the same guy from um, Last Last Man in San Francisco, which was my best film a couple of years ago. Yeah, I remember um, you telling me about that. Regina Hall, um, Idris Elba, and there's Zo- uh, Zoe Beats is in here, and she she actually comes up in a Zazie Beats. Zazie Beats, yeah. sorry. But it is it's a pretty amazing just old school western that's hmm. shot in a different narrative. It looks Did you see that theatrically or no, it's um Netflix. Netflix are I don't even know if they they they're gonna put it up for Oscar, so they released it somewhere, but I don't think I think with Netflix once they have an original I don't think they like I don't think it's limited like HBO. It's like I think it just stays on there if it's a Netflix original thing. What do you mean? Like HBO, when they do the Time Warner things, oh, like, yeah. you can only watch them for like 14 days and then they're not on there anymore. Right, because they're they're not HBO films. Like right. an HBO documentary will stay on there. Sure, but sure. But they, they basically uh, made a deal with Warner Brothers. Right. They would... I well, don't know. Warner, Warner Brothers owns HBO. Oh, okay. So they they basically decided to do that. With, they're not doing... Like the Matrix was the last one they're doing that with. Yeah. Like they're not continuing that strategy. They're doing... There's select ones for next yeah. year. But yeah, because basically they had such bad interaction with a lot of directors over it. Because, yeah. I mean, to be fair, on both sides of it, they had to change their business model because of the pandemic to yeah. figure out how they could do it. But also, they didn't ask the directors, which they don't have to. They're a large corporation, yeah. but understandably, there was fallout from yeah. it. So. I think that you're going to see that more and more, especially with the Scarlett Johansson thing. Yeah, I think streaming is going to be brought into it more. Yeah, I thought it was a. I personally, I mean, I have no issue going to the theater mm. at all. Yeah, but I like being able to like see something. Yeah, at home too. Yeah, the other thing too is revisiting it. Yeah, so yeah. Like, not with the... I should have done with the Matrix, but there's always, like, post credit scenes. 
Yeah. And I didn't really want to sit through The yeah. Matrix, and I forgot it was on HBO. I don't think you told me what the post-credit sequence is. This isn't a spoiler, and if it is a spoiler, I don't really care. Yeah. It's basically the the hive mind that was like creating the game. Yeah. There's literally a 30-second um, shot of them, and they're like, we should make the cat matrix. No, I mean, you did yeah. tell me that. Yeah. And I was like, I sat in here for this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It drove me nuts. Well, and that's sort of my issue with my biggest issue with Marvel movies is they made every studio feel like they now have to put post credit sequences. Yeah. I, I feel like there should be some sort of thing on the movie poster or whatnot. Just like it doesn't have to say anything. Yeah. Just like a green dot in the right hand corner that says, Hey, yeah, there's going to be something, you know? Yeah. That's one of the, cause reasons. I usually sit through credits anyways. Yeah. You know? But you know, there's so many people who, because of Marvel, there's so many people who sit through it now, yeah. but don't shut the fuck up for yeah, the, just for the five to ten minutes, yeah. or stand up in front of me and just mill around. They're like, we're waiting. I'm like, sit down then, because yeah. I'm 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 actually reading. What I've noticed is um, some of the theaters will do it, but not all of them. Is if there's a post edit screen, they won't turn up the lights all the way. They yeah. like keep them low, and then like when a scene comes up, it goes up. Interesting. The one, the one that annoyed me this year though was Marvel. It was like the last one wasn't a. It was a trailer. Well, that's it. From my understanding, that's kind of what they're going to do going forward. Yeah. Um. Just, basically, they'll do the mid credit sequence. Yeah. A scene, and then if you stay to the end, it's basically an extended trailer for the next one. Yeah. But it'll be like tied in for the one. That tied in, had. but also. It'll have stuff in it that's not in the trailer you can see online or whatnot. You just did your seven, right? Yep, that was... yeah. yeah. So my seven. seven was also a, a documentary, um, which was The Sparks Brothers. Oh, yeah. Um, which I wasn't sure... It was. I, I was really surprised this got played in the theater. Um, really? Well, I mean, I think because they were kind of starved for content at the time... Um, as far as like new content, I don't. It wasn't technically a wide release. It was a, it was a limited release. Yeah. I mean, I saw it at Regal, but yeah, but Regal picks up like so. You saw it at Regal. I saw it at AMC, which are two of the biggest chains. Yeah, like some of the like Cinemark would have didn't pick it up, yeah. and then O'Neill's didn't pick O'Neill didn't pick it up. Yeah. Like the big chains got it, but nobody else did. Yeah, um, and it was one of those things that like. I knew of Sparks, but I yeah. knew very little about them. And I mean, I know a lot about them now. And, and it's interesting because it's really for music nerds. Yeah. And and being someone who hadn't really, I just had like tip of the iceberg knowledge of Sparks and their music. I knew them as like an entity more than uh, is. So it was really interesting. And they went through like every, every single album. album, which yeah, I've that's always drove me nuts about when they do biographies of a band and they skim, like yeah. it's usually the first five years of five to 10 years of their career. They go in depth on, and then the last, you know, whatever, if it's a band that has 20 plus years of history, they skim through decades yeah. in like five minutes. And I'm like, no, I'm watching a documentary about this band. I want to <laughs> see everything. Um, and so and it's very rare that a band of, you know, not even arguably, of minimal mainstream success got yeah. such a wide, uh, like it's such an immersive thing. And it was clearly that Edgar Wright yeah. is a fan and appreciated them, which 
compared to his other film he released this year, I mean, it was fantastic. This was way better than his other That was last, last Night in Soho was, uh, that was vying for my worst film of the year. See, it, that's, that's my most disappointment this year. Yeah, I was more disappointed. I didn't think it was a bad film. It was, well, I said the first half, it's one of my favorite films yeah. of the year. And the second half was one of my least favorite films of the year. I did the same thing. Yeah. Like halfway through, once they start doing like the, basically when they got, got into like the effects stuff. Right. I was like, this just like went way downhill. Yeah. Sparks is on my like top. Documentary. documentary ones. Yeah. yeah, I. It's weird because I have a weird relationship. Like I went to see Franz Ferdinand with Sparks. Yeah, and I didn't before that. That was like 2015 when they did that collaboration yeah. record. I had no clue what I was going into, and I just had like probably one of the best times I've had like at a show. Yeah. And then afterwards, I just dug into Sparks again. Yeah. And Sparks is one of those things is like, they stay in the back of your head mm-hmm. and then you kind of forget about them until they do something new. So yeah. when they did this and then they also did, um, their other movie came out this year, Annette, which I don't think you've seen. No. Which is probably the best opening of every, any movie this year. Yeah. But it didn't make my list. Yeah. Um, my knowledge of Sparks, I don't remember if I talked about this one. I, uh, did my review of the film, you know, earlier this year. But so they did an album in the late nineties where they remade like 12 or 15 of their songs with different artists. Yeah. And they, they did two with faith no more and their label at the time, which was Roadrunner records, which is weird because it's a metal label yeah. and sparks is definitely not metal. Yeah. Released a single of this town. and big enough for the both of us. Uh, with the two artists and I bought an import single, but it also as the B side, I had the other faith no more song. So I was like, I didn't know of the sparks record. I, I, I don't think I did other than Roddy bottom from faith no more wearing a spark shirt at yeah. one point, I had no knowledge of them. So I then went and bought the full album and I was like, what is this dog shit? Uh, cause it's, you know, it's very pop, yeah. like falsetto voice. And I just at, you know, in 1997 was certainly not ready for to open my mind musically that way. No, but I kept the CD single, which I wish I ended up selling it at my record store in uh, Rome years ago. Um, well it's, uh, you know, I have, I have those two songs yeah. and a bunch of things, but I ended up selling it for like $200 because it was a super rare thing. Oh, wow. Because the third, there was another B-side, which was just Sparks, and it was like the only thing that that one track is on. But because I don't care, yeah. I was just like, I'll sell this. So It's weird because like anytime I, I'm digging anywhere, yeah. like I look and like it's still so hard to find their stuff. Oh, yeah. 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 But that's like my kind of... It's not like the stuff I love, mm. but it's more my kind of music than it is yours. What's interesting about a band like that, because they've been on so many labels through the yeah. years, and bands, it's usually, like, bands that get, like, reissue treatments, it's usually when a label has, if not their entire discography, a chunk of it. Yeah. Because the the real money in reissuing is... They'll do like, here's four albums from this time period because it's completist nerds will buy all four. Like, it's basically only worth their time if they're going to, you know, because they're like, yeah, we could reissue this one album and get 30 bucks from people. But if we could reissue four and get 120, awesome. And because like Sparks has a lot of stuff where they're like, we did one album for this label and then we 
did two albums for this, and it's just so it's not one person controlling the masters. Yeah, so that kind of sucks. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you just do six or no? I'm at right, six. Cool. So number six is uh, Shiva Baby. This one came out like earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's basically um, it's set in New York. Uh, this younger woman is going to a shiva, and it's basically. It's just her going to a shiva, but her life is kind of like back and forth. She's having a extramarital affair with some guy. He mm-hmm. comes to the thing, and it's just like her kind of dealing with him being there. And then she has a falling out with like her best friend. But it's just it's it's a small. It could be a play, but it wasn't. It's just a small little like quiet film mm-hmm. that just the acting and it's really good. There's. Couple like the parents are well known actors, but like um, everybody else is like fairly new, and it's it's just one of the probably the best acted thing I saw this year. Interesting, yeah. Uh, my number six was No Sudden Move. Um, the uh, really yeah Steven Soderbergh movie. You didn't like it? I didn't like it that much. <laughs> um, well, I think a huge like part. I mean, big biggest thing is you know. Don Cheadle and Benicio del Toro, two of my favorite yeah. actors. I mean, I'll consistently go see something that either of them are in. Yeah, um, they both. Has Benicio del Toro worked with Soderbergh before? Yeah, oh, yeah, he, traffic. traffic. He won an Oscar. And, yeah, but they've both worked with him uh, multiple times. Uh, they did that weird. He did that weird thing with the with the lens, where it's like a curved lens for like oh, yeah, yeah. wide, which I actually liked because it's. It's it's a I don't know if you'd call it noir, but it's certainly a period thing. Yeah, it's um, a noir. Um, yeah. Also, a interest like it's been cool to see Rory Cochran or Rory uh, Culkin. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I just listened to Rory Cochran on Mark Maron's podcast, but um, uh, have an interesting career. Um, and also, what's his name? David Harbor. It was uh, you know. I enjoyed both of David Harbour's performances this year because um, he was also in um, uh, Black Widow. Oh yeah, yeah. which yeah, he was, was really wasn't good. a wasn't a great film, but he was great in that. He was really good. It was a lot of fun. I really like I I love Florence Pugh. Anyways, yeah, pretty much anything she does. Yeah, and I watch pretty much. Anything. I haven't gotten through Hawkeye enough to get to the parts where she's in it yet. Yeah. So I, I she kind of steals it. Sure. I think sure. But I've liked her for you. It's probably like four or five years when she kind of came. I think the first thing I ever saw her in was Fighting With My Family. Yeah. That wrestling movie. Yeah, that was. And then Little Woman was the same year. And as was Midsummer. Yeah. 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 Because I I saw Midsummer. I then like looked her up and I was like, oh, she was in a movie I saw a couple of months ago. I like because her look is so different because I hadn't seen and like. She's not bad in fighting with my family, but that was sort of... I mean, it was better than I expected it's, it to be, but it's not a great film. It's a WWE film. Right. <laughs> yeah, mean, that, exactly. I can kind of tell you yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah. All right, so number five. Uh, my number five is uh, Come On, Come On. That was one of the, that was in my 14. I had to yeah. cut it. Um, this is Mike Nichols, um, uh, Joaquin Phoenix. It's just a... It's a sm- it's really well shot, black mm-hmm. and white, four yeah. by three. Like I wasn't, re- I wasn't expecting much from it. Right. But <laughs> this is the kind of film that like Joaquin Phoenix makes that makes you realize. <laughs> it was Mike Mills, wasn't it? Yeah, Mike yeah. Mills. You said he said Mike has- Nichols. Oh, sorry, Mike Mills. Um, it just reminds you like he can actually 
act when he wants to. Right. I mean, sometimes he's he's completely off the wall and crazy. Right. But yeah, just his relationship with his ki- that kid in that movie is yeah his nephew. Yeah, is probably one of the best relationships I've seen this year. Too. And a very realistic relationship with an adult and a child yeah. that you know um, you don't often see depicted honestly on screen. Yeah. Yeah. I know I've heard people like, you're either in two camps, you like that kid or you hate that kid. Right. And I actually thought, I mean, I've interacted with kids just like him. Yeah. That's, he's a little, he's a bit of an oddball, but I mean, yeah, it makes sense for the character. Well, and also growing, like being raised in a household where they're, um, you know, there's mental health issues with one of his parents. Yeah. Like, it's going to have an effect. And a lot of people, I think a lot of people who don't have an understanding about children's psyches, you know, when they see, like, problem children don't realize that there's probably something going on at home. In the house. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, for sure. That was your number five. That's number five. So yeah. my number five wasn't even on my radar, actually, until you uh, pointed it out to me and I sought it out, which was Nine Days, um, which was... Excellent. Very, very moving. And, uh, um, why can't I think of his name? The main actor. Uh, yeah. Big guy. Um, I'll look it up while you keep talking. Yeah. But, um, you know, continues to, to give, uh, just amazing and very, very perform Winston Duke. Um, uh, excellent performance by him, but just all around. And that's one of those ones that because it's in a contained space, Almost could have been a play, but it's not because it's so visual with what, like how they use the confined yeah. space. I mean, there's a scene in there that is made perfectly for a theater, mm-hmm. and that's probably one of my favorite scenes of the year. Nine Days is my number four, yeah. so it kind of ties in. Yeah, it's a little higher on my list, but yeah, yeah, that the performances by everybody that there's a scene with a bicycle yeah. that is like probably the best thing I've seen. Yeah. In years. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I was like, I've never seen something quite like this in a film yeah. before. So, yeah. There's a lot of that in that. Especially, like, it, this isn't a spoiler, but basically, he's watching a whole wall of, like, old school tube TVs with re- with tapes being recorded. And then he's just taping people's lives. Yeah. Um, and just that visual alone was like, yeah, that's the first thing you see. And you're like, what the, f- what's going on? It was weird because, so I, like 15, 16 years ago, I made a fit. Well, I made half of a film. Yeah. Uh, and it was, um, I was intentionally trying to take six months off, which I learned that if you're not paying people, um, it's almost impossible to wrangle the same group of people back together. Yeah. So, you know, if I ever, if I ever do another film, I'll certainly keep that in mind. But so that's why the other half never got made. But one of the visuals that I had early on, which I wanted to use, and I I, I quote unquote storyboarded, but was one of the characters because um, it was a vampire film. One yeah. of the ones this guy had collected tube TVs over the years, and basically he he would only watch like three or four of them. 
but when one would die, he would leave it there and just pile a new one on top of it. So he, and he lived in a double wide trailer and one whole wall of the trailer was just like hundreds of TVs. And, but there was like eight or nine of them interspersed that were working and the rest were dead. And so when I saw that, I was like, ah, damn it. Someone else, but you know, whatever It's a completely different usage of it. But yeah. So that was my number four. Right on. You can do your number four. All right. So my number four, um, I wasn't expecting to be on this list. I wasn't because it's certainly like, you know, one of, if not the most mainstream film that I saw this year, but it was uh, uh, Spider-Man 8, Spider-Man No Way Home. Really? Um, which I was surprised at how much that hit me emotionally, um, which I shouldn't be considering how like the last, well, like uh, Endgame and Infinity War yeah. hit me, but I wasn't really expecting that, especially because I'm not a huge Spider-Man fan. Yeah. And certainly Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield films didn't endear Spider-Man to me anymore. Yeah. So I was surprised at how much, uh, and sorry if you haven't seen it, but if you're listening to the, it's been out for like three weeks. Um, and if you haven't seen it by now, you're not that big a Marvel fan. Um, but Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in this and it ties in um, those, you know, cause they existed in their own plane of existence and they're now apparent if they're not part of the MCU, they're connected to the yeah. MCU, which I mean, it was a very, it was an ingenious way of doing a bit of studio housekeeping Yeah, um, that never felt that way in the film itself. Um, like it served the story. It definitely did. And it actually gave like weight and emotional depth to both of those versions of Spider-Man, I thought, but also particularly, I mean the villains, but particularly um, William, Defoe. William Defoe and Alfred Molina. Yeah. Um, I didn't really care about the other three, but that's fine. Um, but I mean, Jamie Foxx being the least of it, but yeah. that was also the most recent cause he was, it, it was like six years ago that they made that movie. I was surprised to see Sandman in there. Like yeah. that kind of, they did a really good job kind of like not putting him in anything. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of good. Yeah. But William Defoe was probably, I mean, he put himself up there as one of the best Marvel villains at this point. For sure. But it also brought a whole, like, because you actually care about, uh, sides. yeah, the yeah. the the guy that's in there and like his the duality of that character is is given a humanity that I don't think it ever really had been before. Yeah. it's it's not a one dimensional character. Yeah, um, it's so it was it's sort of like and it, you know I won't spoil what happens in the movie, but like makes it all that more heartbreaking. You know. Yeah. The thing I didn't realize going into it is, like, you don't have to see all the Spider-Man movies, but right. it makes that movie a hell of a lot better if you do see all of them. Well, there's there's a moment near the end, near the climax, with Andrew Garfield and Zendaya, which, yeah, if you've seen the other ones, is was tremendous. And it basically, like, I wasn't expecting that, and, like... It, I, you know, in retrospect, I should yeah. have seen it coming. I saw it. I mean, they kind of they led bread crumbs up to that. Sure, kinda, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it was uh, it was really handled well, and it yeah um, gave a. It had a lot of emotional depth for a film that you know the eighth film in a <laughs> franchise or the twenty seventh film, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, yeah. 
It was really, I really liked that. Yeah. And I liked the fact that um, Toby, they didn't like try to age down Toby Maguire. Right. There's a scene where they're. <laughs> he's this, like, yeah, I'm like 42. Yeah. And they were like up there and he's like, oh, my back. And they just have like that interaction. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's weird because I thought I liked this more than you did. Interesting. Yeah, when we talked about it, I thought I really thought I liked it more than you did, and it didn't make my top ten. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. All right. So, what's your number three? My number three is your number eight, The French Dispatch. Okay. I'm, so that's two that we have. Yeah, I'm a way. I think I'm a bigger fan of Wes Anderson than you are. I think so. Yeah, and this one just the only thing that that kind of gets me is like the male gaze of it a little bit. Sure. Like this is the first film I've ever noticed him doing um, nudity. And it just kind of like, it took me out of the film for a second. Mm -hmm. There's a short he did with Natalie Portman for, Oh, the hotel, hotel Chevalier. Yeah. Before the grant, um, the Darjeeling limited. It's like a, but that's my least favorite Wes Anderson film. Interesting. But that's that's the only like it's not even like a strike against. The There's some nudity in uh, the Life Aquatic as well. Is there? Yeah, that's yeah. So it goes Darjeeling Life Aquatic for me. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because it's always French women that he yeah. has nude. So yeah. well, Tilda was nude in this one. Oh yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. It's yeah, it's just like a split second, but they that. Tilda Swinton's nude in almost everything that she's in, though. Yeah. It's just like... But this one was like... It's jarring to see her in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe just standing there naked, but... Yeah. I had no problem with the the vignettes. I mean, mm-hmm. at this point, if you can't watch a film that has three separate stories in it, that they do have, like, the... It's all based around his death, and right. this is the obituary to him. Yeah. I think there's technically four in here. I mean... Well, there's the... There's the obituary thing, which kind of like not just bookends, but like indexes the whole yeah. thing. So that's kind of the fourth one. Yeah. Um, I I don't really know if I have a favorite. The belt, the um, Benicio del Toro one is probably yeah. right up there. My least is probably the um, Francis McDormand section. Timothy T- yeah. Chalamet one. Yeah. yeah. It was mustache. Just made more <laughs> throw up. But I know it was done that way on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. It's that one. That vignette reminded me the most of Rushmore. Yeah, a little bit, just because of the yeah the age and you know sort of the 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 quaintness of the the teenagers or whatever. Yeah. So that that was my number three. I but as a caveat, you there's I can't see anybody going in not being a Wes Anderson Mm -hmm. fan and this one like winning them over. Yeah. And like I told you, I I don't understand Wes Anderson fans not liking this one. Right. Because it is. Uh, two of my friends who are both women, the male gaze thing was a little, they're like, particularly they're talking about, uh, Leah Sado. Yeah. They're just like, she's naked in it a lot. But I was like, to be fair, she's naked in almost every movie that she's in. Yeah. I was like, you know, and you know, it's a different, I, th- I think with the movies that she usually makes, it's, it's not as jarring as when, sure. when we see it, like an American movie when they do it. Right. I was just... Maybe maybe he's becoming more of a French director, or he's trying to like channel more of a French maybe, director. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so that was your number three? Yep. So my number three, I know you were not a fan of. My number three was Dune, which I was... That's I've been lower than I expected. Well, I had been waiting for this film for, you know, a year. Um, I was 
you know, I really expected this to be my favorite film of 2020, and then it didn't come out in 2020. Um, and I really enjoyed it. It was, you know, it was the film I saw the most in the theater. Um, uh, and this, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I know you have plenty that you didn't like about it, but um, it's just the, my number one and number two just hit me harder. Yeah. But, and I think it's going to be tough for me to really know how much I appreciate this until part two. Part two. And yeah. then, because he wants to make... Um, a third one? Well, so the third one will not be from the first book, though. It's yeah. He wants to make a third one based on... Uh, Children. Children uh, Dune Messiah, actually. Because oh. Children of Dune was the second sci-fi one, but it was Children of Dune was actually based on Dune Messiah and Children of Dune. Children of Dune's the third book. See, but. what you're doing right now is why I hate it. <laughs> like, I just got... I admittedly I went back and watched the the original Dune and then I watched the miniseries and for on paper this should work for me yeah. more than any other film and I was just bored to death. Yeah, I and, remember you saying that. Yeah, and I don't know if it's it looks visually. I understand the performances are good. Yeah, but this one like was so far off the mark, and I have like it's very rare that like something like this comes along and it's just like. I'm dreading the next one because I will sure. see it. Right. And I know, like, I'll probably already hate it because I have this. Well, because you know where the story's going, too. So right. it's not like it's going to do something. You're like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, and that's just me personally. I mean, people yeah. that like this stuff, like, I knew you would like it. Yeah. And I know a lot of people love it. It's just like, for me personally, it just didn't hit. It was so, it, it's, it is a, Villeneuve film. Yeah. I mean, you can definitely see that. Yeah. The look is great, but it was, it failed for me yeah. on like all levels. I forget which he's adapting another sci-fi series after this, which he's been talking about in interviews. I'm like, cool your jets till you finish Dune. Stop, <laughs> stop moving on to the next thing. Well, it just got greenlit like what a week after the movie premiered. Yeah, because they weren't sure, and yeah. they were basically, because of the HBO thing, they were just like, look, we're taking into account streaming, they're like, we know yeah. it's not going to make the money we're hoping, but it's, I mean, because it literally, just last week, just actually broke even as far as, like, all the marketing and stuff yeah. like that, but they had already greenlit it um, within a week based on, you know, projections it, and everything. It hit, yeah. well, it hit the budget, but like they had marketed the hell out of it. So it was like, it's crazy to me to think about now with those big tent pole movies that they, they spend as much marketing as to make the film. That's crazy. Like me personally, I mean, anybody that's listened to this knows I don't, was I don't watch trailers. I yeah. listen to them more than anything. Mm. They just, one of the, Best examples this year was Kingsman. I don't know if you've seen it yet. I haven't seen it yet. But that trailer, watching that trailer and then watching the movie, and I did, I barely watched that trailer. I knew what was going to happen in that, even in like the climax. Sure. I was like, that trailer ruined this movie. And if I had sat there and watched that trailer 20 times, like I would normally do. Which I've seen that trailer probably 20 times. It's funny because I still haven't seen either of the first ones. And yeah. I'm just like... I was like, well, maybe I should see it, but I'm also like, I know this is a prequel, so yeah. I don't know. If you've seen the trailer, you've seen the movie, basically. Yeah. There's there's one aspect that they don't talk about in the trailer that just is like a, 
Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire showing up. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, it's Wonder Woman because it's World War One. That's true, so. and Warner, <laughs> Warner Brothers. Um, so what's your number two? My number two is probably one that... Actually, looking at your list, I don't know if it's going to make your list, but Pig is my number two. It, this is... I, it's weird because Nicolas Cage will make like the best movie of the year or close to the best movie. And but also, also the worst movie. Two of the worst. Like wa- Willy's Wild Wonderland and then Prisoners of Ghost something. I didn't see that. I saw Willy's Wild Wonderland, which a couple people were just like, dude, you like Mandy, right? And I was like, yeah. They're like, you like Pig, right? I was like, yeah. They're like, you got to see this. I was like, no. Okay. And I was like, the only thing that I appreciated about it is like him sticking to not saying. Well, he didn't oh. say anything, and also taking the breaks. Yeah, yeah, which it was just such a weird. It, yeah, but Pig is like, he does this every once in a while, where he'll come out with one that's like amazing. Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, you can act. Well, and that that scene where he sits, he's in the restaurant, and the that. other chef comes over is like that. Maybe my favorite single like monologue I've ever seen in a film, and it's I've, yeah. It's probably the best monologue about food yep. I've seen. Yeah. And and just it, about passions in general, yeah. artistic passions. And, you know, I've told people, you know, when I was talking about it, people were like, should I see it? I'm like, you should see it just for that scene alone. But yeah. it took me on a journey that – because on paper, I thought it was going to be very, like, John Wick. Yeah, esque, I did too. And it was set up that way. And it kept doing stuff that surprised me. Yep. And for – I mean, it's it's basically a genre film that doesn't Have doesn't genre. realize it's a genre film. Yeah, um, and also it was it was nice to see Adam Arkin play that character. Oh, he is. It's hard to call him evil. He's mm-hmm. just very competitive. I I, I mm-hmm. guess would be the better word. Mm-hmm. And I you can kind of feel where the film's going mm-hmm. towards the end is like you kind of see the steps that they're taking to go, but that scene where they're at dinner is yeah. like, that's when everything kind of falls perfectly into place. Yeah. 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 Uh, that was your number two. Yep. So my number two was the green Knight, which I honestly thought was going to be my number one when I saw it. Um, and I loved it. And visually it's amazing. It's one of those things. The first time I saw it in the theater when it ended, there was a group of like early something, early 20 something guys like, what the fuck? And so you're going to end it. And I'm just like, I mean, the source material is literally 500 years old. Like yeah. you could like, it, it's, it wasn't a surprise ending. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, part of it, I love, I mean, I love that era of storytelling. I love the Arthurian era. Um, I also, I, I really enjoyed it because it's the second film in a row with Dev Patel that I've seen where um, his, you know, his ethnic heritage is not addressed at all in there, yeah. um, it, which I, I'm not even fine with. I'm happy with because we're already suspending disbelief. So it yeah. doesn't really matter. I mean, the other one was David Copperfield, which oh, yeah. I had mixed feelings about that, but he was great in it. And I mean, he's, it's funny because... I think most people, myself certainly included, first became aware of him with Slumdog Millionaire, which yep. is like one of my least favorite things that Danny Boyle's ever done. Danny Boyle's ever done. It, I mean, it's the one that he won Best Picture for, yeah. and whatnot, but I don't think it's his best film. By somebody asked me 
like this week they're like in your lexicon of movies where does Slumdog Millionaire rate like from one to ten? I was like, it's about a two. Yeah, I'm like that film is not rewatchable. Yeah, I mean once you know what's coming, the beats don't work, and especially it's very it looks very dated now. It oh, looks it? yeah time and place. I mean it's fine, but um, it's a good one timer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it was it was. It's also it's probably the one Danny Boyle film that most people have seen, like like you yeah. know average Americans have seen. I, I would agree with that. Um, but it's it's my least favorite of his. But yes, I'm trying to think if he's done one that I've liked less. I think so, but it's definitely lower on the you know. I mean, but my uh, millions might actually be my favorite Danny Boyle film, and it's like actually like his most earnest. And, yeah. Mine is still like shallow grave. Yeah. yeah. But that I think that has to do with the cast. But he has so many exceptional and varied films. Yeah. So yes. yeah. Uh no. The Island's my least favorite Danny Boyle <laughs> film. Fuck that movie. I hate the island. Did you see Don't Look Up yet? I still haven't finished it. I started it. Yeah. Um and that's like the most polarizing movie I think of the year, because people either love it or like it was stupid. I thought it was great, but yeah. I think it's I've, I've liked most of Adam McKay's stuff since he's gone serious. All right. I mean, See, I haven't liked most of the stuff that he's done. I yeah. still haven't seen The Big Short, but I didn't like... Vice. Uh, yeah, I really didn't like Vice. I thought it was well-made, just not for me. Yeah, so it, like Big Short is way better. I think Big Short's better than these two anyways. Yeah. Vice is good, but this one... I think this one's good because it's taking people... Well, Leonardo DiCaprio is probably... This is probably one of his better roles. Mm-hmm. I mean, he just plays against type. Well, that's what I watched so far. I was like, well, this is different for him. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he should get an Oscar nod for it. Yeah. I don't know if he's going to win this year, yeah. but yeah. So what's your number one? My number one is uh, Supernova. This one I saw very early on. Um, it's Stanley Tucci and uh, Colin Firth. They okay. basically just go, they're a gay couple that go on a road trip and one of them's sick and they're basically going to a house towards the end. And it's just them basically dealing with their lives. They live in this little camper. Um, it, it's just them kind of going through, like, the end of one of their lives. And they have to deal with, like, what figuring out how to how to go about it and do that kind of thing. And mm. it, it deals with, like, um, depression and kind of suicide as well. Mm. But it's those two just play off each other so well. And it's just... It's one of those like small, intimate films that hmm. I don't see very often, but when I do, they just kind of hit me. I have to check that out. It's uh, not the Angela Bassett uh, no. sci-fi movie. No, Supernova, it's not. No. Uh, so, and then uh, my number one you actually already mentioned, which was Pig. Pig. Yeah. Yeah, which I was surprised because, you know, and I've told a bunch of, you know, when people are like, oh, what's your favorite movie of the year? And I'm like, Pig. And they're like, just pig like they because most people don't know what yeah. that is and then i'll be like yeah it was a movie with nicholas cage and they're like come on i'm like no it's amazing yeah i was like and i don't know if he'll get nominated just because i don't think a i don't think it's a big enough studio to pay for the for the year consideration stuff who was it i don't i don't remember, remember. it's yeah. it's the only it's not a 24 no the only two films i think on my list that i purchased this year like physically were uh pig and um the Green Knight. I'll buy Dune when it comes out too. But yeah. I was gonna buy Pig, but the, I realized it's on Hulu now, so mm-hmm. I'll probably just. I, I eventually want to find it anyways, but I can either find it in the Blu-ray in the wild. Well, it was funny because <laughs> I couldn't find it, 
And so I ended up, I forget where I, you, you said you ordered it from blue bull moose. I ordered it from bull moose. Yeah. And now like both target and Walmart have it. And oh, I'm just like, why did you not ha- like, I'm surprised that the studio didn't push to have it out on release date. Yeah. Um, and I'm annoyed because it's cheaper at target than I paid for it at bull moose. Cause the blu rays 12.99 and the DVD is 8.99. Oh, okay. I mean, I I think I paid 15 bucks for it yeah. on Blu-ray, so it's not as big a deal. But... I've s- I saw it at Walmart and I almost picked it up, but I refused to buy any media from Walmart. Yeah. Just because I used to edit stuff, mm-hmm. like that's still just in the back of my head. Yeah. It's like I don't want to deal with that. It's anymore. such a weird thing because they have that rule, but then like stuff slips through like they've had like now that they carry vinyl on at yeah. Walmart cuz like Guns N' Roses will not edit, will not allow their stuff to be edited, so they carry, like, Appetite for Destruction on vinyl. Um, That's the only Guns N' Roses thing I've seen on vinyl uh, at Walmart, but it's not an edited version, it's a regular version, and I'm just like... uh, And part of me wondered, I was like, I wonder if it's got that very objectionable original cover on the inside, but who knows. But um, I also think it's funny, because, like, Disney Plus, like, won't do any R-rated things yeah, um that's why they did hit monkey to hulu which is right weird. but they've made exceptions because they're not rated but like both that taylor swift special and the beatles get back yeah if they were r- rated they would be rated r for language and they have a thing like very strong language blah 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 but blah, it's blah. a tv rating not a right. theatrical rating yeah. right which is i mean it's a technicality yeah. you know what i mean i'm like it's your own rule like but in the, but really what it is is it's the Beatles, it's Taylor Swift, yeah. everyone loves them, so we're yeah. going to make an exception. Well, that's the thing with Netflix, too, is I can tell if they're going to release one or not yeah. by the rating. Yeah. So if it's like TV, whatever, like TV 14 or... Yeah, that means it's not getting a theatrical Yeah, it's, it's basically not... Yeah, so that's how I can kind of tell. There's, yeah. Because they put so much stuff out now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I um, this is the first podcast I think we've done this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been a while. We haven't done a well since I stopped eating meat. We haven't done a, a, yeah. a <laughs> burgers with Bob. Not that I'm opposed to it. I just I'll I'll have to. I mean, obviously, the last two years have been weird, anyways. Yeah, but no, I completely understand. Have to see if there's any restaurants around that do Impossible Burgers. Uh, I mean, other than Burger, Burger King. <laughs> Duncan's does their um do they have the impossible sausage? sausage? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I don't know if it's impossible. It might be beyond. What so there's a there's a Duncan in uh uh Northampton. Do you know which one I'm talking about that's like across from Shaw's and yeah. like in the same plaza as the post office? Have you been in there lately? No. It's weird because like I don't know who Dunkin' Donuts is like catering to because they're trying to make themselves. They're like, oh, we're an upscale coffee bistro. I'm like, you're goddamn Dunkin' Donuts. So all of their iced coffee is on tap now. They have like, like it looks like a bar. They have taps, and I'm just like, that's not. I'm like, no one who would actually like this comes here, yeah. and no one who comes here likes, likes this. this. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, I don't. I'm not there. I don't drink coffee, so yeah. like, I'm not there. Thing, but they're chasing. It feels like they're chasing Starbucks. But well, the know. only reason I went in there is uh, someone gave me uh, a Dunkin' Donuts gift card yeah. uh, for the holiday season, and 
it had coupons, but it was only for specific locations, and they're like peppered around. And yeah. I was like, I don't get this. And my brother's like, they're all owned by the same guy because oh, they're franchised. Yeah. So they're like, this is not a Dunkin' Donuts coupon. It's from this guy. And it was like, it expired like like a week after I got it. So I was like, all right, I went in there. And it's also weird because you know how Dunkin' Donuts, they used to have the donuts like on a rack behind, yeah, behind. them. Now they're in a glass case in the front and they're like very lovingly. Like it looks like how Starbucks does their sandwiches yeah. and stuff. Oh, they're trying to be like a, a pastry shop kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. 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 Their donuts have sucked since they stopped making them in-house anyways. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. why it's only DD now or whatever. They, they're dunks. Dunk, Dunkins. Yeah. yeah. Which, I, I don't know. It's strange. I, I forgot. Oh, I was, ex- I was like happy when I was down in uh, New York a couple of weeks ago because I was like, yep, all the Dunkin' Donuts are still called Dunkin' Donuts down here. Really? Yeah. We we went on a weird tangent, but we always do. Uh, <laughs> right on. Oh, excuse me. Uh, well, yeah. Thanks for doing this. Oh, let me grab a shot of... Yeah. Oh, yeah. The meticulous list. Yeah. As opposed to the one that I wrote on the back of <laughs> a receipt. A- oh, I did already. Yeah, that's good. Uh, which is how it always goes. I'll post my top ten. Whenever that comes out, yeah. I'll just post it on one of the sites, like the top ten documentaries. But Cool. I'm just glad documentaries are still... They seem to get better and better every year. Or yeah. their subjects better. Yeah. Yeah. Right on. Thank you. Thanks.